Hey everyone, and welcome back to Country Music Made Me. Thank you so much for joining us once again. On today's episode, we are extremely excited to be welcomed by country music mainstay, David Nail. Now, David moved to Nashville back in 2002 as a 23-year-old, and over the past 20 years, he's been riding the highs and lows of the industry with what I consider personally to be many more highs than lows. He's been on my playlist ever since the beginning, for sure. We had a great time talking about the people who have influenced this journey and a moment earlier this year, in March of 2022, when he began listening to old demos that hadn't been cut. They hadn't made records from around 2008 to 2012. And the inspiration he took from that music that has carried over into his new recordings, including his latest single, Sunset Carousel. So please enjoy our conversation with David Nail. With Seattle, what is it about Seattle that you love so much? When did your love of that city really start to form? Well, I mean, it obviously wasn't until I went there. Um, you know, I always tell people, I feel like that's a place that if you have a creative bone in your body, um, I think it just kind of speaks to you. Um, you know, there's there's places, there's different cities that I've been to over the years. And, and like, I can, I love like kind of wandering around by myself and, um, and you sort of are just, I guess, pondering different things and, and whatever it is, just the surroundings, I don't know if it's the climate, I don't know if it's just the vibe of the city, but I usually always am inspired to want to sit down and just kind of write um, after having visited, you know, there. And um, obviously it has a rich music history um, as well as a sports history. And it's just, I think, you know, it's so much, it, first of all, that whole part of the country, um, you know, I feel like so few people have at least of my my friends um have seen that part of the country and i tell them all the time like it's just so unique and different than you know anything really anywhere else especially you know from where i was raised and so um you know i just i've just always had a fondness for it um and we uh we were just somewhat close to seattle we played tacoma earlier this year so we were we were close enough that I was a little uh, bit out of shape that I wasn't able to to visit the actual proper Seattle, but uh, right. we were close enough and it was beautiful. We got we got to go down to Portland and Central Oregon, and it's just uh, it's just such a unique you know part of the country and um, one that I've that I've grown extremely fond of from the very first. I mean, I can remember the very first time you know. I flew into there, you know, you, you look out the window and you see this thing piercing through the clouds and you're like, what in the world is that? And then you, you know, some, you know, the people around you can kind of tell that, um, it's like your first time. And I can remember the, the first time I came and, and seeing Mount Rainier and this lady looking at me and she goes, that's actually a mountain that's like coming up through the, the clouds. And I was like, what? And I, and I'm always, and I'm still a little scared of flying. And so I just, remember thinking well like what happens if you like just come down on top of it like if you just if you you know or like you just like come down out of the clouds and all of a sudden it's like oh hey there's a mountain right there right yeah and that sort of enjoyment like that joy of seeing that view as you're going in do you ever become numb to that as someone who travels a lot 
No, you know, especially like places like that, you know, I'm, I still get that little kid excitement, you know, even, um, you know, some of my favorite cities, you know, whether it's Boston or New York or Chicago or these places, you know, that, that you grow up and, you know, obviously being a huge sports fan, that's kind of the first, um, you know, conversations that I ever had about these places. And so, um, you know, it's just, uh, I, I still get a little giddy, you know, I, I love traveling. It's gotten a lot harder, you know, since I've gotten, a, my family has grown. Um, and, but it's still, you know, I, I feel it's kind of weird. I think because where I grew up is so rural and so like kind of tucked away. I mean, it's, it's easier now with the web and um, I feel like people travel a little bit more, you know, where I grew up than they used to. Right. Um, you know, when I, I was 21 before I saw the ocean for the first time, I was, oh, wow. um, you know, and, and so it was, I think part of that excitement and giddiness is because I traveled so little as a child and even as an early adult. Um, and, and it just, uh, you know, I tell people all this in our shows all the time. I said, you know, you know, the, the, I moved to Nashville to be a singer, but I, that's as far as I got, I didn't really, um, it didn't register that, okay, this is the, this is going to be your opportunity to see, you know, the entire country and, um, other countries and, you know, and so it, it's just, it's continues to blow my mind that we do have the opportunity to travel, but also, um, that, you know, more times than not, a lot of the crowds, you know, we don't know a soul. So it's, it's, it's very flattering and, um, inspiring, but, you know, that's my favorite thing to do. Um, or my favorite thing about the road is just going to a place and kind of walking around and kind of soaking it in and letting it, you know, I, I, there's no show that I hate, but I always dislike walking up on stage when I haven't felt like I've invested into where it is that we've played, whether right. it's, you know, financially or just like if I, you know, this past weekend, we just played a small town in Wisconsin. And I can remember we get to, go down to this little pancake house and, and we were eating with the locals. And then like, we got to walk around down by the water and, and that night, it just felt like I was in a small way, a part of the community, you know, um, I kind of knew I had a feeling for where we were and, and the people, the type of people we were playing for. And it just makes it so much more enjoyable. That is amazing. And another place that I know you enjoy is Las Vegas. And I wanted to ask about uh, your granddaddy Lawson, and I know that it hasn't been too long. I think just over about a year that you lost him, and I so I don't know how easy it is for you to talk about him, but I know he was a very influential person in this journey. So I was just wondering if you could just tell me a bit about him and, and sort of celebrate him. He is. It is a difficult subject to talk about. I mean, he was just my hero in, in every way, um, shape, and form. Um, you know, I mean, I guess from the uh from about seventh grade on we lived directly across the street from from each other and so there was you know not a day went by that I didn't see him or talk to him and and uh, you know whether it was for five minutes or for five hours and um he was just always extremely proud of me you know I was the youngest um grandchild and so I was kind of sort of the baby and I was the only my sister and I were the only grandchildren that lived in um, 
the town in which, you know, that grew up around him as much as we did, you know, everybody else had, you know, lived, you know, at least three or four hours away. And so um, we were just all extremely close. Um, and it was just, uh, he was just a huge influence. You know, he um, was an extremely hard worker. Like, I feel like a lot of people from that, that generation are um, kind of a self-made man. You know, he, um, you know, um, I'm, I'm actually not exactly positive if he graduated high school or not. Um, okay. But I know that he, uh, he started working with farmers, you know, at a young, he farmed a little bit and he started working with farmers and um, doing a lot of accounting work and loans, you know, farm loans and uh, equipment loans. And then, um, you know, when I was probably, I don't know, 10 or 11 years old, he just out of, on a whim started building houses. And that's what he did until I guess he probably got too old. And um, he was injured building a house. He kind of fell off a roof once and he broke his back and he had a oh, lot wow. of damage in his feet. And so he was he lived in constant pain, but he never complained. He was an unbelievable husband. Um, you know, when my memo died, I think my biggest fear was, you know, like often happens when, the, when someone's kind of inspiration for living kind of leaves this earth, a lot of times the other person sort of follows them very quickly. And, and so we were just, I just always feared that, but you know, when he did pass away, when it was kind of evident that his time was coming to an end, I remember my mom saying that he was, he was committed and, and really like motivated to try to live until a hundred. And, um, you know, he made it to 94, so he made it pretty close, but he was just, uh, you know, I mean, I think, uh, as, as difficult as his funeral was, um, it was just, uh, so amazing to see so many people from so many demographics and so many walks of life celebrate him that, that respected him. And, um, you know, he just had this air about him. Um, you know, he, he could walk into a room with Velcro shoes and, um, you know, his shirt untucked and, and a pair of, you know, khaki pants and, and, but he commanded a presence, you know, and it was just, uh, there was something extremely admirable about him. And, you know, he was my biggest fan. Um, you know, you mentioned Las Vegas, that was his favorite place in the world. Um, and, um, you know, his, I think if he would, if he could have, you know, he would have given anything to have seen me play there. And he was always, fascinated about where I was playing and what part of the city it was. And, um, you know, and, and I got to play the national finals rodeo twice. And, um, actually before he got too sick to travel, he was finally going to get to go to that. It was not when I played, but it was a couple of years before I played, he was going to go and, and he was a huge rodeo fan. And so, um, that was always, um, you know, Vegas in general is always very, um sentimental for me to play for that reason but um also just anything rodeo related because he was just such a huge rodeo fan and um I always found that extremely fascinating because I would I didn't grow up around horses or cattle or bulls or anything like that and so to to it would always it was always fascinating to me how fascinated he was with the rodeo and loved and watching it and so one of the biggest thrills um, I've ever gotten was they presented me a buckle each time I played the NFR. And 
I got to bring that home and give that to him for Christmas and this oh, nice, wow. super nice leather jacket. And, um, uh, and the same thing, you know, we played Cheyenne frontier days, which is a huge rodeo, you know, arguably the biggest in, in the country. And, you know, definitely one of the most historic and, and I got to give him that belt buckle too. So it was just, uh, you know, he was just, um, you know, he, he had a saying, you know, and, and I always, um, he just would always look at me, you know, a lot of times before I got my record deal and started making my own money, he would send me back with, you know, a couple of $20 bills, sometimes a hundred dollar bill. And, and he would just look at me and say, son, just keep your nose clean. And, and that was my biggest, um, goal in life was just to make sure that I didn't disappoint him in any way, shape or form. And, 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 and I kind of still live that way today. And I talk about him all the time with my son who I named him after, um, and and that's you know and and I I was always very grateful that that my son had five years with him and and was old enough to like appreciate and 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 acknowledge his presence and and what a great man he was and the screensaver on my phone is is one of the last times they actually got to communicate and they're kind of like button head like they're kind of like got their foreheads touching each other and he's just kind of hugging him and they're just kind of having a moment and it's definitely you know seeing that person and being able to document it is something i'll never forget that is amazing and within your love of sports and your eventual love of music was he ever sort of a part of that or was it just sort of his hard work and determination that you really took forward from him through this life you know, he was, he watched sports. I mean, he, you know, I played three sports a year pretty much from the time I could start playing. Um, and, you know, he always came to all my games. You know, I know he wasn't a big fan of me playing football. He was always terrified I was going to get hurt. Um, but, you know, when I started singing, um, you know, especially like at his funeral, there were so many people that, came up and told me, you know, how proud he was and how he would follow wherever I was at. And he would always tell like his friends, you know, at the diner or whatever, when he was getting his haircut, you know, he's like, well, you know, my grandson's in Las Vegas today, or he's in Seattle today, or he's in, you know, the middle of Pennsylvania. And he, he was just, uh, always like super, um, you know, involved with where I was. And, um, you know, I can remember when we, we bought our first house, you know, obviously, um, you know, he was, uh, he was just completely like dumbfounded by how much it costs to, you know, live in a, in a big city. Um, and he would just shake his head, you know, and he would then go and tell me about, you know, how, how much his first house costs or how he was when he was able to just even, you know, purchase a house. And, um, one of my favorite stories that he ever tells is, you know, all three of my children were, were conceived via IVF. And so obviously that costs, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars. And, and when we would have to like tell him about that, he would just shake his head and he would say, you know, when your mom, when, when your aunt Barbara was born, the doctor came to the house and I gave him $40 and a pat on the back. And then when your, when your mom was born, I think it cost me $60 and then a pat on the back. And, he was like, when your uncle Mike was born, the last of his children, he said it cost him a whole hundred dollars. And he was like, he just thought to himself, well, we can't afford to have any more kids after this. 
and uh, they were just poor country people. You know, the, the, the doctor would come out to their house and delivered all the babies there in their home. And, um, and I just always, he wasn't a, a bitter man about money. He was very, um, he, he always saved, he, you know, a lot of money. And he was, um, you know, for much of my life, you know, the richest man I ever knew, you know, just, and like I said earlier, you know, just a self-made man. And so, um, he appreciated sports and, you know, he, I think he kind of watched them, you know, so that we had something else to talk about, you know, and we would talk about the Cardinals game, you know, he would stay up and watch the Cardinal game. As he got older, it was harder and harder for him to stay up and watch stuff, but he would watch enough that you could have a conversation with him about it. But, you know, from the moment I started singing, you know, he would tell everybody, you know, David's going to be a singer. That's, that's what he's going to do. And, and even, you know, really before I ever, you know, I guess fully committed or believed it was something possible. He was, he was the, uh, he was the, you know, the believer from the very beginning. Right. And that journey for you through music and sports, where was the time? Like talk about high school, you were doing both. You were doing high level baseball. Um, you were, I believe in all state choir as well. So during that time, as a youngster, where was your mind within music and sports? Well, you know, I think that, you know, I had a pretty picture perfect childhood from the standpoint of, you know, I've had two parents who loved each other and supported us. And, you know, you know, they, you know, uh, I guess pushed us to follow our dreams. You know, nothing was, you know, really, unattainable as far as they were concerned and um you know my father was um obviously a band director and he but he was also obsessed you know literally obsessed with sports and especially baseball and so I grew up around it um and it just sort of soaked in through osmosis but you know I think internally I really just started having some some internal battles with you know, what I felt called to do versus what I felt like I was expected to do. Um, and I really felt the pressure that um, I needed to pursue baseball until the door closed, whether that was, you know, um, you know, what was I good enough to play college? What, at what level college, you know, um, and then, you know, you know, professional, which I wasn't as good enough to be a professional, but I, I did feel this pressure that I needed to pursue it until I was finally told, okay, Hey, you're not good enough to play anymore. Right. And, um, but at the same time I was falling in love with music and I just grew obsessed with it. You know I mean? I just was back home and my father was, you know, talking about my, my cassette tape collection. And I went out in the, um, the garage and actually got about four or five of them. I probably had 500 and I probably got four or five of them. My parents had my granddaddy's old truck. And so I went and took the twins out in his truck and played a couple of these cassette tapes. And it was just so nostalgic and such a wonderful moment. I think I drove his truck like four or five times just in a couple of days, just any chance I could. And, um, and, and it was just, uh, but it was, you know, probably 16, 17 years old when I started performing regularly and um, I was having success, you know, in, in choir and um, winning some awards and, and, you know, it was, 
sports had come so easy to me and music seemed to come even easier and I didn't necessarily know how to explain it. Um, you know, I don't even know that I know how to explain it now. I, I, people ask me all the time, what do you think, you know, people dig about what you do? I said, I have no clue, man. I just close my eyes and I sing, you know, right, but, yeah. um, but you know, I don't know what it is that happens or transpires when, you know, I get up on stage and, and certainly even back then, you know, I listen to tapes and see performances and I just cringe because I was so green and so bad. Um, but at the time I just thought, man, this is, you know, I didn't understand why other, like my best friend in the world couldn't sing a lick and I didn't understand, okay, well, why can't I sing and why can't he, you know, and right, yeah. he was always a little better than me in sports. And so it was like, okay, well, I guess I, I, I have this one area where I can kind of one up you a little bit. Um, but, you know, I watched my father who music was so um, just effortless for him. And he was such a, you know, just ridiculously talented human being, um, you know, could obviously read music, but you could play pretty much anything by ear, his tonal memory, you know, being able to hear something one time and play it you know, pretty much verbatim was, is unlike anybody that I've ever heard. And so, um, I think I just always, it took a while for me to realize how significantly more talented he was than, than other people who casually played. Right. Um, but I just, uh, the more and more that I, that I sang, you know, I always say I've never done drugs, but the, the applause, the, the adrenaline, you know, the rush from being on stage and especially songs, you know, now that you've written and you've poured your heart and soul into, you get up here and you play um, for people and, and you see like that they're moved or you get that applause and they see the appreciation. It's, it's, it's the rush, like no other, you know, no drug could ever, you know, remotely duplicate that, that feeling. And so, um, and it was an addiction, you know, and, and I looked, uh, I was always very nervous and very anxious anytime I performed, but I also relished the opportunity and, and I just, you know, as I began to fall more in love into music, sports became less and less of a, a passion. I still enjoyed, I still loved playing them, but, um, you know, I, I, I would, you know, listen to music, couldn't wait to get out of school, listen to music all the way to practice. Couldn't wait to get out of practice to go to Walmart and see what else, you know, what other new CDs came out or tapes came out. Um, I was, I always tell people I fell in love in the nineties with everybody else, you know, country music's huge boom. But the reality is like, that wasn't enough to feed my hunger. I, I, I unlike most people who were totally content with whatever music was current at the time, I started researching back into the eighties and the seventies and the sixties and just became completely immersed in, um, you know, not just country music, but just music in general and trying to soak up as much as possible. And, um, my dad used to always tell people that I sounded, I was a cross between Kenny Loggins and Garth Brooks. And that used to always bug me because I was like, I want to sound like David Nail. And so really from those, um, you know, from high school on, it was just a constant kind of yearning to figure out, okay, what is David Nail going to sound like? Because I don't want to sound like, while that was a comp, I knew that was a compliment. It, it sort of like 
motivated me to like figure out, okay, what it, what is exactly is my sound going to be. Right. And along this journey, like you talk about your grandpa, just being a hard working person who just loved his family. And it feels like you have taken that from him. You know, I think there have been moments where I've been, you know, I'm, I'm extremely grateful. Um, there have definitely been moments where I've kind of stopped and smelled the roses, so to speak. Um, you know, I think that just, uh, you know, I will say that I don't think, you know, anything in my career is, you know, not that anyone's career is easy, but, you know, we've had to really work and we've had to really like push, you know, um, you know, all the songs we released the radio, we really had to just almost shove them down their throat, um, to get them played. And, and, um, you know, but I get that, uh, I get the, you know, the whole like, oh, well, you're undervalued or you're, you're not appreciated as much as you should be. You know, I, you know, I moved to this town um, without a single connection. I didn't have no, I didn't have a soul to go to lunch with, much less someone to kind of show, you know, show me the rope, so to speak. And, right, and yeah. so um, just the, the whole concept of even, you know, getting a record deal, you know, was, like winning the Super Bowl, you know? Um, and so I just, I just feel like that for me, you know, I learned very quickly in Nashville, you know, that the thing you get asked the most is what's next. You know, you put out a record on Friday and on Saturday, somebody wants to know what you're doing next. It's yeah, like, exactly. Geez, I just worked for two years on this album and now, and now, you know, you, you, you've appreciated it for 24 hours. Now you want to know what I'm going to do next. And, um, so I think that just sort of um, kind of became my philosophy. And, and I always told people, you know, I hope I have a good enough year this year to have a next year. And, you know, we've, we've kind of done that more or less. And once they were formed, been in the business for about 20 years. And so um, definitely like way, had way more success than I ever could have imagined. Um, but I think, you know, it's just, it's really, not my um personality so to speak to just relish like in the sun you know right, like yeah um I don't really that's one part of the business that I feel like is such an unnatural like experience because it's like you know this is what I do this is how I provide for my family I feel like it's what the good lord put me on this earth to do but like just you know sit here and bask in the glory of like accomplishments or applause or whatever it's like I kind of just want to run back to the bus and hide you know like and 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 go back you know because I've always you know I feel like I'm as as regular a person as anybody else and um you know I feel like that's one of the biggest compliments you can get is somebody talks to you for 10 minutes and they and they'll you know say man you know I I knew you put your pants on the same way as me, but now like I can totally tell you're just a regular old guy. And I'm like, well, yeah, you know, I mean, I still, I mean, I went to the grocery store twice today, you know, getting groceries for my family. I went to the bank today, like I'm running errands. Like it's just, you know, the only difference is instead of, you know, people who um, have, you know, you know, maybe standard job, nine to five jobs, my, my job's not nine to five. It's, it's, you know, it's about 90 minutes, you know, sometimes at nine o'clock at night or, or whatever, but, um, you know, it's, it's just different, you know, but as, as a person, I don't feel like I'm any different. Right. And in which world 
do you sort of feel almost more important? Like, like you're maybe a little different in the music world or in the sports world? Because I mean, the sports world, you've really been able to develop some great friendships as well in mixing music and sports together. So what is that like of being able to immerse yourself within the sports world at the same time as your musical career? Well, that's been the big, you know, other than being able to provide for my family, just like the relationships that I've developed over the years and the opportunities I've gotten to, to have, you know, um, it's funny, you know, like I have this love of sports and, and you think, you know, Hey, I'm going to go be a singer. And like, that's going to be my focus for the next however many years, like I'm saying goodbye to this. And, and when in reality, like this decision to be a singer and, and follow music, kind of opened all of these other doors to get to kind of scratch that itch. So in a lot of ways, it is true. You know, it is true that I feel like I've kind of gotten to, you know, have my cake and eat it too, you know, in regards to that. So, um, you know, it's, it's, you know, I, I definitely think that, you know, one of the biggest thrills for me is to just be able to like, um, you know, turn on the television and see somebody that I know, whether they're agent of somebody or, you know, most of my friends have retired, I guess, from playing sports. But, um, you know, I, I have people that are friends that are coaching. You know, I coached a, a, a youth team when I was in my mid-20s, and I've got a kid that's a pitching coach for the Phillies. So got to go see them play the Padres recently in San Diego and just, you know, sitting in the crowd and being able to think, you know, like, here's this kid who I knew, you know, from the age he was 16 years old and now he's a pitching coach in the major leagues. It's just, you know, you kind of have those dad moments where you're just proud for your friends and, and you see them, you know, getting, you know, um, having success in, in their various fields and, um it's it's a lot of fun you know it's just like uh but it's just like you know I mean I've got friends that are doctors and they have success or um you know friends that are in the um you know lawyers or in other facets of of life and and other facets of business and stuff and you don't get any more excited for anybody else but it's it, it is it is ironic how they have sort of mirrored each other um and, you know, it's true what they say, you know, musicians want to be athletes and athletes want to be musicians. You know, I just did a, I just did a Christian camp. Um, I just went and visited some kids at this Christian camp on Tuesday for about 45 minutes. And, and here it is, all these counselors are athletes and they're asking me all these questions and I'm looking at the kids and I'm like, like, I'm like, these kids don't, at this age, they don't really care. They don't want to hear about some, you know, country singer, they, they want to hear, you know, what it's like to, to, to be a professional athlete or play big time college football or whatever. And, um, as soon as the kids went away, like every single guy picks up a guitar and starts playing like the two songs that they learned in their, you know, fraternity house or at their dorm room, you know, because, um, and that's what I told the kids. I said, you know, at some point in your life, you're going to look across the room, there's going to be a guitar. And I was like, Nine times out of ten, people they want to play it or they they're they're inspired to play it. I was like, you know, hopefully um, this kind of you know puts a little bug in your ear and, and and so that when that time comes, you know, you'll pick that thing up and and at least know a chord or two to play. Um, but you know, I told all those the older kids, the counselors, I said, you know, 
I'm fascinated in what you do and I, I want to hear your stories, but I don't get to because you're too busy asking me questions, you know? Right, yeah. Yeah. Is that an interesting thing as you go along this journey, that sort of mix of, yeah, wanting to get to know people, but most of the time the people are more interested in you and hearing your stories. So you're doing a lot of the talking most of the time, I believe. Yeah. And, you know, I will say this, you know, a lot of times, you know, I've, I've done this for so long and not let the ever take it for granted, but, um, a lot of times it takes talking and telling stories or someone asking a question for you to, Oh man, I forgot about that. Or like, you know, um, you know, it reminds you of like, man, I, I didn't, I, I can't remember that I did that. Or like, and then suddenly like you go back into the moment and you're like, Holy cow, that was like pretty ridiculous. Like, um, you know, what was I thinking? You know, people ask me all the time about, how was it to sing in the world series? And I said, it was, such, it was such a weird dynamic because I'm there to do a job, not be a fan, but at the same time, it's like my childhood team playing in the game. And so there was like a part of me that was like freaking out um, because here I am at the world series and I'm getting to watch my team. But the, the majority of me was like, Hey man, you can't suck. Like you have to go out here and sing this song. Like you have to do a good job. Like you can't, no one's going to care that like you're a fan if you go out there and forget the words or something. So right, yeah. um, I can remember like when the adrenaline rush, um, you know, kind of started, started to ease away. Um, like the fandom kind of like covered, you know, jumped on top and kind of covered whatever adrenaline I needed. And, um, but it is, uh, you know, I've been super blessed. Like I said, to the fact that, you know, I tell people all the time, a lot of times on stage, you know, I made the decision to move to Nashville when I was 17 years old to be a country music singer and the opportunities and the friendships and the relationships I've developed and, and every, you know, walk of life is because of that, super important decision that I had, you know, was super naive about is mind boggling. Right. Yeah. And now within this journey, you mentioned your best friend growing up earlier in our conversation and that he was maybe a little better than at sports than you. And I believe that was Chris Sledge. Was that the was. guy you're talking about? And I wanted to ask yeah. about him because he's still a good friend of yours. And so when you talk about you know, being able to reminisce and, and think about these stories. How important has his friendship been in being able to talk about these stories and have this journey with him? Well, you know, it's wild. I was with him yesterday at a water park here in, in the city with our, with all, you know, our whole families were together. They drove over for the day. Um, you know, I've known him since I was four years old. Um, we, uh, we're in nursery school together. We were in the same kindergarten class. Um, he's about 10 months older than me, but his, uh, he, he started school late. So we were in the same class. Um, but, uh, he just, um, he's got an unbelievable heart. Like I've never met anybody in, in my entire lifetime who puts others before themselves more than he does. Um, He's always just had an unbelievable ability to lead. Um, you know, his, his father started a, a sporting goods company and, um, 
you know, the, you know, after he graduated college, he more or less just kind of took the reins of that. And it was, it was, I don't want to say effortless, but it was, it was very, it was almost like it was seamless. Like it was like, it was destined, you know, like, um, almost like just kind of growing up in that house. He kind of knew the business inside and out without ever like training for it technically. Right. Um, but you know, just a unbelievable father. I knew he'd be, you know, he had, um, his first son Zayden before we had kids and it was a couple of years before we had the twins. And so I always knew you'd be a great dad. Um, you know, but just to watch it in person is, is really inspiring. Um, his son, I believe is 10 and, and is a really, really good baseball player, um, and, and loves sports. And it's sort of like kind of revisiting our childhood, like watching his son, you know, kind of fall in love with all these sports. And, um, but, you know, some of the coolest experiences I've ever had, you know, where I got to, he, I think the three all-star games I was in the celebrity game and went to, he, he's gone to two of them. He went to the last ACM awards that I went to in person. Um, and, you know, one of the biggest, um, you know, unfortunate things about what we do is so oftentimes like the people closest to us aren't there to share it with. Right. And so it was, uh, it was always, I always tried to at least manufacture as many of those moments as I possibly could that I could control. Um, but he's just, uh, you know, the best, the best story I can tell about him is he, uh, he's, you know, traveled to Las Vegas. He loves Las Vegas too. He's traveled to Las Vegas for years for their, for the, in the business he's in. And when we went out there together, um, I was doing interviews all day and I told him, I said, I will be done at three o'clock. And he was like, well, you can come meet me at my, I'll be at my favorite restaurant in all of Vegas. And I was like, all right. And so after I got done, I texted him and I said, Hey, where are you at? And he goes, I'm at the Mandalay Bay. And I was like, okay, I've been to some nice restaurants in the Mandalay Bay. And I get over there and I walk into the lobby and I kind of go over to where most of the restaurants are. And I said, I'm here. Which one of these places you're in? He goes, I'm in the buffet. And I was like, your favorite restaurant in Las Vegas is the buffet in the Mandalay Bay. <laughs> and he goes, yeah, man, they have unbelievable fried shrimp. And I was like, you got some of the most famous chefs in the, all of the world that have restaurants in Las Vegas and you're excited about going to a buffet. And I mean, the, the amount of run I had on that story that night, everybody I came in contact with, I told, and everybody <laughs> just fell in love with him just based on that story, because it just says so much of, about him as a person and just how like, you know, he's been extremely successful, you know, as is made, you know, good money and is able to do, you know, I won't say anything he wants, but he could certainly go to as, as many nice restaurants as he want. And the fact that like that buffet made such an impact on him that, <laughs> that he was willing to like put his name on, like, this is the best, my favorite restaurant in all of Las Vegas. Um, he's just as down to earth and um, as, as anybody I've ever met. And um you know, I think my favorite thing about him is, is he's one of those people that, you know, we can go a couple of weeks without talking and, and, and it always seems like he'll text me whenever I'm like kind of having a bad day or, or, uh, you know, I'm down on myself or, you know, 
just for whatever reason, I'm not, you know, feeling super, you know, excited about what I'm doing or super proud of myself or whatever. I'm kind of down on myself. You know, it's almost like he can kind of read the moment and he sends a text and it might just be like, Hey, I love you, bro. Or you're the best. Or he'll send a picture of us from, you know, 10 years ago. And, um, he just is really good about reading the moment sort of without having the ability to see the moment. That's awesome. And now have to talk about your music cause we're running out of time here, but I wanted to ask you about, I think it was March, 2022. So March of this year, you had posted that you had listened to some old work tapes from between 2008 and 2012 and sort of how that inspired you. And I wanted to talk about that time earlier this year when you were listening to those and how that has inspired your work now moving forward this year. Well, I mean, to be brutally honest, I, I think I was, you know, like I said earlier, everybody was like, you know, what's, what are you going to do next? What are you doing? like everybody on my team, everybody that works with me and stuff. And then also like people like personally, you know, they were just like, well, what, what are you doing? You know? And I'm like, well, I'm playing shows, you know, that's, great but I was kind of I don't want to say going through the motions like because I don't want it to say I don't want it to sound like I was taking anything for granted but I sort of was just sort of wading through the water I guess so to speak and um and I just somebody sent me a, an mp3 of something that we had written together I think it was Scooter Scooter Crusoe who I've written a lot of songs with written a bunch of songs for me and and it just sort of planted the seed of like, man, I need to go back and just listen to some of the stuff that I did, you know, um, you know, some of the stuff that didn't make the records and, um, you know, cause back then I was co-writing so much. And, and so, you know, I think just listening to that stuff, this is going to sound really weird and, and I'm kind of nervous about saying it, but it was, it was almost like, it sort of reminded me that like, Hey man, I'm good. Like I'm good at this. Like I can write songs. I can sing songs. Like I can, I can do this. And it's kind of weird, I guess, for that to happen, you know, I, you know, 40 something years old, it's like, you know, well, what do you mean? Like you got guitars all over the place. You got some plaques. I'm like, why do you need like songs that evidently weren't good enough to make records to tell you that you were, good enough but I, I think you know you just kind of you at times you kind of go through these these uh, points in your life where you're just maybe subconsciously second guessing yourself and so really when I when I started listening to that stuff it really like inspired me to like kind of start grinding more and you know it had been a while you know well before COVID um, since I had really like kind of put my head down and like really grinded you know at, at writing songs and stuff and so I, I called my publisher and I called my management team and I just said hey you know I want to start co-writing with people I hadn't really co-written in like two years oh, okay and I said uh I want to start writing more and I said I want to start writing with different people and like whoever like the young like exciting people are I want to get hooked up with them and that's how I got hooked up with Grant Vogel and Robin Collins who I wrote Sunset Carousel with and have now written eight songs were eight for eight. Um, oh, wow. And it's just, uh, you know, I think it was, it's kind of weird. It, it, it's like you go back in the past and you listen to something, you know, from, you know, 10 or 12 years ago and it kind of inspires you 
kind of gives you this youthful like kind of exuberance that um hey you know i'm not done yet like i want to keep doing this and i want to keep getting better and i want to keep you know pushing myself and um you know yesterday was <clears throat> i was working yesterday and and I, the, you know i can remember three or four times just thinking man this is so hard to do like how in the world can people do this like every day just like come up with things out of thin air you know and put it to music and it just you know it's a super humbling moment um but the 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 whole concept of like doing that is like what motivates you to like keep trying keep wanting to do it keep wanting to get better and um you know i mean i guess it takes you know some people 10 12 years younger than yourself to kind of make you maybe maybe it's like a false false sense of like youthfulness that you feel because everybody around you is so much younger than you but um it's, it's funny you mentioned that time period because that really was i mean um i feel like listening to those songs and i went in and demoed a few and i think it it just kind of lit a fire and i feel like it made me a better performer i feel like it kind of just got got me a little bit more laser focused you know i have add so i can have a tendency to be like all over the place and that probably keeps me from really like being great at any one thing because I'm just all over the map. And, right. Um, but I, I definitely think that it made me kind of zero in more on like, okay, Hey, like if I'm going to keep doing this, I need, to, I need to evolve. I need to get better. I need to, you know, figure out what's next. And the only way you can kind of figure out what's next is to kind of keep working. And so as a result of that, um, you know, I kind of found this new, sort of um vision on you know at least what i want the next few months to kind of sound like and um again you know back to that add who knows what it's going to be like you know after that three or four months it could be something completely different um but the it is it, it is very ironic that it took going back to something i did 10 or 12 years ago that evidently weren't good enough to make records but they were good enough to like totally motivate me like a decade later later to to you know keep keep at it keep working and and, and try to get as better as, as as good as i possibly can thank you once again so much for listening and thank you to david for stopping by and sharing his story be sure to check out his latest single sunset carousel Please also be sure to give us a like, a follow, or maybe even leave us a review. If you enjoyed today's episode, it means so much to us. You can also head over to countrymusicmademe.com to sign up for our newsletter. With that, you'll stay up to date on all of our upcoming guests, as well as receive exclusive content. Just head over to countrymusicmademe.com and hit that subscribe button. Thank you once again so much for listening, and we'll see you next time on Country Music Made Me.